Shalom, everyone. It's time for Ancient Jewish Wisdom for a Modern World that will change your thinking and change your life. Welcome to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Balechi. Shalom, everyone. This is Rabbi Brian. I'm so glad you have joined us for another episode of the Dust of the Rabbi podcast. We are on episode 11. Can you believe it? We've talked about so much in regards to Jesus, Yeshua, being a rabbi. And we talked about not only his teaching, but his parables that he taught, that he used to disciple 12 men that changed the world. And I want to talk today about a a question that came up in regards to the episode we did, number nine, on the salt of the earth or the salt of the soil, as well as number 10 we did last week, which was about the light of the world as we are lights in this world. And so one of the questions came up in regards to not only the title of this podcast, The Dust of the Rabbi, but the specific question was, how do you become a disciple of Jesus, a disciple of Yeshua? So I hope to kind of go back into some of the concepts we started the podcast with and really go a little deeper to give you a fuller understanding of how to actually become a disciple. Now that you know that Jesus is a rabbi, that he's following very familiar rabbinical patterns, teaching styles, even parables with metaphors and similes and anthropomorphism and descriptions of God that is very familiar to the first century. And as a sect of Judaism, these believers, these disciples were called the followers of the way because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we're going to jump right into our Topic today, how to become a disciple, specifically how to become a disciple of Yeshua. So let's take a look at a text that we will draw from today, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to just start off with one verse, and that is Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. So I'm glad you have joined us. We're ready. I hope you got your pen, your paper, your notes, your journal, your Bible, Or if you're just listening while you're working out or you're doing some dishes and you just got the headphones on and you're listening in, I want you to know you can listen to this over and over and over again because I know the last couple of weeks we packed in a lot of revelation about the salt of the earth and the light of the world in regards to the Sermon on the Mount we read about in Matthew chapter 5. So we're still kind of like diving in, but we're going back one chapter to chapter 4, verse 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, how strange was it that a rabbi who was trained as a carpenter is telling some fishermen that if they follow him, he's going to make them fishers of men. Of men. I can just only imagine how confusing it was to Peter, to James, John, and all the other disciples that would eventually follow him, many of them that lived in the Galilee region. As we get ready to go to Israel and go to Tel Aviv and Galilee and Jerusalem, excited about October 31st, I'm really wanting to take every disciple of mine on a journey spiritually to the Holy Land. And even right now, if you're listening, I want to take you on a spiritual journey as if you are walking in the dust of the rabbi or the footsteps of the Messiah, and you're getting so dusty from that rabbi dust and drinking in the words with thirst 
that when you read this, you're imagining you're walking on the Sea of Galilee. And I really love how he speaks directly to the heart of the people he's talking to. That's one thing as a rabbi I have learned to do is really know my audience. Just like I want you to know the author of each gospel or each book of the Bible, I believe you need to know the audience. Right now, he has an audience of fishermen that he's saying, follow me. Yeah, I know it's just two. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, if you haven't already read this text in Matthew chapter 4, you'll know that it's actually Andrew and Peter that are on the Sea of Galilee. They're fishermen. Possibly Peter is the head of the fishing industry in that area. And even if you go with us to Israel, you actually get to go see St. Peter's house, which is a house they found fishing equipment, very close to a synagogue in Capernaum, where you actually see Yeshua and his disciples would have went to hear the word of God, to study the Torah together, and to converse about these things that the scripture was revealing to them. And look at Matthew 5.11. I love this. How blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and tell all kinds of vicious lies about you because you follow me. Did you hear what Yeshua was saying? Because you follow me, people are naturally going to make fun of you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to talk about you. But you got to get past all that. Because to follow a rabbi in those days was a very diligent search for wisdom and knowledge. And you didn't want anything to stop your endeavor of walking in the footsteps of the rabbi that you were being taught by, that you were learning from. I love what it says in verse 17. Don't think that I've come to abolish, or the King James says, destroy the Torah or the prophets. I came not to abolish, literally to destroy, but to complete or fulfill. Verse 19 says, whoever obeys them, the commandments of the Torah, and so teaches them will be called great. Literally, the root for rabbi is rabbah, translated great. Rabbi, rabbi, or rabboni, means great teacher or my great master teacher. So in other words, if you learn to do the commands of the Torah and teach someone else how they can do them, they're going to call you a great teacher. That's what he's saying. In verse 24, it says, A Talmud, a student, a disciple, is not greater than his rabbi, just like a slave is not greater than his master. So there actually is a surrender in the life of a disciple. And that means that you're willing to follow your master. Now, if you think about this, we're not called slaves as his disciples, but we do humble ourselves as servants, as bond servants, because someone paid a price for our freedom. Therefore, we're willing to follow them to the ends of the earth or to the uttermost parts of the earth and to fulfill their mission and their assignment. See, as a disciple maker, as a rabbi, I absolutely love discipling people. And I really get to spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time in mixed crowds, co-ed teaching and learning, but especially love it when I can take a young man or someone even that they might not be young, but they're new to faith and just disciple them one step at a time, one verse at a time, one concept at a time. Because I know, just like Jesus, just like Yeshua, it took him three and a half years to actually make a quality disciple. 
And I want you to know that there's stages to growth because there's something that we learn about in Luke 640. I want to read it out of the Tree of Life version. It says, a disciple is not above his teacher, just like it said in Matthew 5.24. A disciple is not above his teacher, but it goes a little further. It says, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Or the complete Jewish Bible says, every Talmud who is fully trained will be like his rabbi. So when I have students, whether in Bible college or from a campus or a congregation that I'm overseeing or teaching or ministering at or finding people that are just hungry for the word of God that want to be discipled, I personally take the model of Jesus, that Jesus was not in a rush. He knew that it was going to take time, and he was willing to take three and a half years sacrificially of his time, but just like you and I should give of our time, talent, and treasure— he was not only giving treasure, he was depositing treasure, deep hidden treasure within each disciple that they would one day pull out and be able to share with others. There is treasure inside of you. If you haven't been discipled yet, there is hidden treasure that the enemy wants to keep you blinded, that people in the world want to make fun of you for following the master, this teacher, this rabbi from the Sea of Galilee. You don't understand. It's a dusty road from Galilee to Jerusalem, but it is going to be the greatest thing in your life when you decide to become a disciple. So there was stages to the growth, and I'm going to break it down. First of all, before we go into all of the steps to being a disciple, there's some basic ones I want you to consider. Number one, everybody starts off as a follower. And a follower can be defined as a submissive one who is willing to be guided. Are you submissive? Can you surrender to someone else's teaching? Are you teachable? Do you have a desire to learn? Do you have a desire to grow? Do you have a desire to become everything that God has intended for your life to be and the plans that he wants you to fulfill? You've got to be willing to be submissive. The second step is to not only desire to follow him, as a rabbi has disciples that follow him, they start as followers, but they must progress to be disciples. And that word is a little bit more than the original word follower, which means to be submissive. This actually is a word where you see the word discipline, and it literally means to be a disciple is to be a disciplined one who is willing to be trained. Now remember, Luke 640, that you should be fully trained to be like your teacher. Then the last step, these disciples that originally were followers became apostles, which means they were sent ones willing to be released into their mission, their calling, specifically the same mission that Jesus had to make disciples in the entire world to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's literally my calling. As a disciple maker, I want to disciple nations. As it says in Matthew 28, I want to disciple people from every ethnic group. I want what I'm teaching even right now to get translated into every language of the world so that I can be a part of that great fulfillment of the Great Commission. So I want you to think about what stage you're in. Are you in stage number one? You're learning to follow. Are you in stage two? You've become a disciple. Or maybe you're already stepping into full-time ministry because the apostle is part of the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher slash rabbi. You know that's what that is, right? A teacher actually is a rabbi. And in fact, I want to take you to a passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 38. 
it says in the Tree of Life version that Yeshua turned around and saw them following. He saw them following. See, when you turn around, people should be following you if you're following him. And if you're not following him, nobody should be following you because you're not setting the example that they need to be a disciple of Yeshua. He said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, notice what they called him, Rabbi, which is translated teacher. Where are you staying? Verse 40 says that Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John, John the Baptist, speak and followed Yeshua. See, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I wish I could unpack that one. It goes all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 22, that God would provide for himself a lamb. But we won't go there for now. Let's just go keep on track here and keep in step with the rabbi. It says that John the Baptist, who was a rabbi, who had disciples, he spoke about Yeshua, who is a rabbi, and now was acquiring disciples. And so as soon as he said that he was the Lamb of God, he had disciples that transitioned from following his ministry to now following Jesus. So look what it says in verse 41. It says, first he finds his own brother Simon and tells him, we found the Messiah, which is translated anointed one. And Andrew brought Simon to Yeshua. Yeshua looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, or literally Bar-Jonah. You shall be called Kepha, which is translated Peter. Or some people say Cephas, but it is actually referring to the Aramaic word for a little rock or stone, a small building block. And Peter is the Greek translation of that, Petros, which means a little stone or a rock. Look what it says in verse 43. The next day Yeshua decided to go to the Galilee. He finds Philip and says to him, follow me. Now, when you think about these two disciples, Andrew is actually the first because it says Andrew goes and tells his brother Peter, Simon Peter. And I think sometimes we don't realize that we play a big influence in people's lives. Even though Andrew was not a big contributor to a lot of the miracles and teachings in a way where his name is recognized, he is a part of this group of 12. He is definitely following the footsteps of the master. But one of the greatest things that he is as a follower is a finder. You know what I love about discipleship? It's not just about the rabbi. It's about the followers who become finders. Because it's just like someone who finds this podcast. You start following and listening to the episodes, and then you start sharing it with others because you're not just a good follower, you're a good finder. You find people that can also be blessed by and learn from, be educated, be discipled from the teachings that you're getting. You're able to follow him, and now others can follow you an example. So let's see if we can go a little further on this concept. I want to go back to Matthew 4.19. You know, we read it earlier. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, what does it mean to follow? The follow part is all about your commitment to be disciple. That's the first thing. you got to be committed. The second thing is, notice Jesus says, I will make you. That is his commitment to you, to disciple you. First of all, you have to be willing to be discipled. Second, he is committed to disciple you if you're willing to be discipled by him. And then third, fishers of men means that you will be able to disciple others. 
So notice the steps. Follow me means you're willing to be discipled. I will make you means he's willing to disciple you. And then to be a fisher of men means that you're willing to disciple someone else. I'm going to pick up in verse number 20. It says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Look at all the people that are following the lead of these two. Andrew finds Peter, and now Philip is given an invitation to follow him. And now you've got John, and you've got James, sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee. They're following Jesus now. And everybody is following. And I love the example of Andrew and Peter. They were willing to drop their nets, just like John and James were willing to leave their boat and their father's occupation. I love this quote by Jennifer Waddle. She says, Each day is an opportunity for us to drop our nets and follow Jesus. As doubt replaces instant obedience, we talk ourselves out of dropping our nets, our goals, dreams, and desires. We hear his voice in the distance, but continue on our way, working even harder to be successful. When we finally loosen our grip, we are one step closer to dropping everything for Jesus. Are you willing to drop everything? Well, maybe we have to ask the question, what is your net? What do you need to drop or give up in your busy schedule to follow Jesus? Are you willing to be led in this new journey of spiritual growth? What are some personal goals you want to accomplish as you become a faithful follower of Jesus? And the most important, what excuses do you need to let go of, or we can say drop, to follow Jesus? If you're going to become a disciple, you got to drop the excuses and you've got to be willing to walk in the footsteps of the rabbi. Now, that's exactly what we call this podcast, The Dust of the Rabbi. You might want to know exactly what that's all about. I've shared it before. I'm going to share it again. I'm going to read to you a Jewish writing from what we call the Mishnah. It's part of the Talmud in a special set of writings called Pirkei Avot, translating to the ethics of the fathers. It starts and says that Moses received the Torah at Sinai. Guess what rabbis teach? The Torah, the five books of Moses. It was transmitted to Joshua. Joshua transmitted it to the elders. The elders to the prophets, you know, the prophets in the Bible, the old and new, the former and the latter prophets. And the prophets to the men or the rabbis of the great assembly, which means the great synagogue. They said three things, though. You should be patient whenever you're administering justice, like in the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court. Don't be quick to make a decision like a good judge does. Second, raise up many disciples. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did was raise up many disciples? And then third, they'd put an extra fence around the Torah commandments, which means just like you put a fence around a pool so your young child doesn't fall in, we don't want you getting close to certain sins or breaking commands, so we'll put an extra fence or an extra instruction to keep you as far away from that sin as possible. But it goes on in another portion of Mishnah, or Pirkei Avot, and we're reading from the first principle there. Now the fourth one, if we jump down, says that we should let our house be a house of meeting for all the wise sages or Torah scholars. We should become dusty ourselves with the dust of their feet, and we should drink in their words with thirst. There it is. That's exactly where I got the Dust of the Rabbi podcast from, is that we should not only sit at the feet of Jesus as a rabbi or a Torah scholar, 
we should become dusty from the dust of his feet and drink in his words with thirst. Now, I was doing some study in the Mishnah and in the Talmud this week, and I came across a couple really great writings that I want to share with you. And that is found in one. It's a Tosefta from Avot of Rabbi Nathan. So here's something that Rabbi Nathan says. He says, in regards to your house being a meeting place for these wise sages or Torah scholars, he says, what does this really mean? He says, well, it means that your house should be used for these Torah scholars, disciples, and their disciples. Now think about this. Andrew actually invited his brother Simon Peter to follow Jesus. So we have to think about what the purpose of discipleship is. Jesus didn't just pick 12 so he could only have 12 disciples in the whole world and for all of history. He actually picked 12 disciples so they could pick disciples because disciples make disciples. In other words, if you've never been discipled, at least by a wise master teacher, rabbi, pastor, leader, counselor, then you can't disciple someone else in the same area unless you've been discipled yourself. Another interpretation of this passage says, let your house be a meeting place for these wise sages or Torah scholars. It says this means that when a disciple comes into your presence and says to you, give me an instruction, meaning teach me something. If it's within your power to teach him, instruct him. But if it's not within your power, Dismiss him at once. In other words, don't give people false expectations. Can I tell you why most millennials are not prepared for the millennium, the messianic reign of the Messiah when he returns? Is because they're frustrated with organized religion. Because people have made promises, especially pastors and leaders, teachers, maybe even a rabbi, has made a promise to you to disciple you. And then it's like you fell through the crack, or they dropped the ball, or... Something happened that just disrupted you following the footsteps of that person that was leading your life. So I want you to know that I personally, if I take on a disciple, I follow this principle that if it's in my power to disciple you, I will. If not, I will refer out, including counseling. If it's beyond me, I refer out to someone that has an expertise in that area. There's also something else I found in the Talmud this week, and it was a comparison thought to the person that gave us these words about being dusty from the dust of the rabbi's feet. And his name is Yossi bin Yohanan. And he is considered the Av Beit Din, which in Hebrew means he's the chief master of the Jewish court. And he was considered the second highest ranking member of the Sanhedrin during the second temple period. And one of the things it says in reference to this idea of making your house a place for these sages to teach, these Torah scholars to teach, it says, when the sages wish to convene somewhere, let your house be the designated place. It reminds me of the life groups I teach where someone opens up their home, a designated place for me to teach disciples. It says that they be accustomed to say, let us meet in this area of our house. And it says, for if it is possible that you can learn thereby, the goal is to learn some article of wisdom. It says, to what may this be compared to? Listen to this. To one's entering a spice shop. Even if he takes nothing, meaning he buys nothing, he absorbs the aroma and leaves with him. You know what happens when you get around people in a life group or in a discipleship class or program, or you get in track with someone who's going to lead your life one step at a time, like Jesus did the disciples? Even if you don't learn anything, you actually learn something just by being around them. Because it's like the spice shop that you walked into. You didn't buy anything, but you left smelling like spices. And I love the fact that just being in the environment of a place where there's learning going on, you're going to get something out of it. So I want to share one other thing before 
we kind of bring this topic to a close today about becoming a disciple and how to become dusty from the dust of the rabbi, it goes on to say this, that is, we should follow them, meaning the rabbis. For a walker raises dust with his feet. Did you catch that? Raises dust with his feet. When you walk normally on a dusty road, like from Galilee to Jerusalem, there's going to be dust coming from your feet. It says, and one who walks after him is dusty by this dust. Alternately, it says you should also sit at their feet on the ground. For that was the practice in the first century. The teacher would sit on a bench and the disciples would sit at his feet on the ground and drink their words in with thirst. For it says a thirsty man who drinks to quench his thirst and not a satiated man, meaning a full person who despises his food, even what is tasty and good. You see, when you're already full, there's no room to get filled. But if you're empty, hungry, and thirsty, you're hungry and thirsty for the word of God, then there's room for the rabbi to teach you what you're hungry to know. And I really believe that there's someone listening today. You've asked yourself, can I really be dusty with the dust of the rabbi? Will he really make me a fisher of men? Maybe you're not even acquainted with fishing. You know, Matthew, the tax collector, he didn't say anything about fishing to him because he was a tax collector. But this same Matthew, who's also called Levi, possibly from the tribe of Levi, he is actually one who is an accountant and gives an account for the gospel of Matthew. He gives an account of Jesus in his ministry. So even though he wasn't a fisherman, he was an accountant, a tax collector. That's exactly what he did. He made an account that we now call the gospel of Matthew. So if you're walking in the footsteps of a rabbi like Yeshua and his disciples are walking in his footsteps, then it's impossible for you to not get dusty if you're as close to him as possible. You got to want it. You got to not just be willing and submissive. You got to go after it. You got to get fully trained. You know, what does it mean to sit at someone's feet? You know, because there's two different movements going on here. You can walk and get dusty, or you can also get dusty and sit at their feet. And walking in the dust is more like applying what you're learning. Wherever he walks, you walk and you do what he does. But to sit at his feet is the place of learning. So you've got a place of learning at the feet. You have a place of applying in his steps. So sitting at someone's feet meant to learn from them. Walking in their dust meant to apply what they do, not just what they say. And there's two parts of learning. If you have someone teaching you and they're only saying, do what I say, but not as I do, then you can't walk in their footsteps because they're not doing it themselves. As Jesus rebuked some of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, he says, whatever they teach you from the Torah, from the law of Moses, do it because they sit in his seat of authority. But don't do as they do because sometimes they teach and don't do. And therefore they were called hypocrites. You want to find someone that you can not only sit at their feet, but you can walk in their steps which is why we should lead people in their next steps with God and make it easy for them to keep in step with us as they follow our example. I'm going to close today with Acts 22.1, a perfect example of someone who trained the Apostle Paul. And his name is Gamaliel, or in Hebrew we actually pronounce it Gamaliel, and you can find it in Acts 22.1. It says, Brothers and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he, speaking of Saul of Tarsus, you might know him as Paul the Apostle. He spoke to them in the Hebrew language. That was shocking because only trained Jewish men actually spoke in perfect Hebrew. Most spoke in a dialect of Hebrew with a little Aramaic 
kind of like a Spanglish to someone who speaks Spanish and English. It's kind of like a dialect. In Acts 22, verse 2, it says, And when they heard him speak in Hebrew, it says they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, speaking of Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel. Rabbi Gamliel. It says, taught according to the strictness of our father's law or Torah, and was zealous toward God as you are all today. He says, I persecuted this way to the death. Did you hear that? This way, capital W, the followers of the way. That's original title for believers, followers of the way. He says, I was binding and delivering them into prison, both men and women. Also the high priest uh, bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Do you know in those days to follow Yeshua, remember, not only would you be persecuted, and Yeshua said, don't let anybody's persecution of you to follow him stop you in your journey, because you're blessed if you're persecuted for his name's sake, and you have to continue following him. But to be a follower of the way, this rabbi who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sometimes you had to carry your cross, which means you might have to die for your faith because the cross was a form of Roman crucifixion where it was used to give the death penalty among the Roman court. So when you think about who this gentleman is, he's a famous rabbi, Gamaliel the Elder, and he is Ramban Gamliel Hazakan which is the Rabbi Gamaliel the Elder. He was considered the leading authority in the Sanhedrin in the early first century, and he was the son of Simeon or Shimon bin Hillel and grandson of the great Jewish teacher Hillel the Elder. Now, you've heard me talk about Hillel. Rabbi Hillel actually would have been the famous rabbi that Jesus would have learned from when he was a young man, and he probably would have died when Yeshua was age 20 before he even stepped into his rabbiship, before he became recognized as the Messiah of Israel. In his early life, up to age 20, he probably would have been surrounded and heard of this great rabbi because he was from the Galilee. And what's so powerful about this, Gamaliel is Hillel's grandson. And it's amazing that when you go back to Acts 5.33, there was this dispute about these early followers of the way, and Gamaliel defends the movement. He says, just like other movements, when there's been these rebellious people that have risen up against our teaching, if it's of God, you can't overthrow it anyway. And if it's not, it'll come to nothing. You can read that in chapter 5.38 and 39 specifically. Verse 39 says, But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. You know, this messianic movement of following the Messiah, it's my life's blood. This concept of being a disciple and a disciple maker, it's my passion and my purpose. It's what I live for. It's what I pray every day. I say, Lord, fulfill the purpose for why you created me. And also, use the gifts that you gave me in a unique way that you didn't give the same way to someone else. And I know there's many teachers and many people that follow many voices out in the world that name the name of Christ or name the name of the Messiah. But I believe that Yeshua the Messiah wants us to go back to following the way. And this is the way of discipleship. This is the way of the master. This is the one who traveled with the disciples from Galilee to Jerusalem and confounded other teachers. Whether you're talking about Gamaliel, in the days of Paul, Saul of Tarsus, or you're talking about Nicodemus, who was confounded by the wisdom that he heard 
from Rabbi Yeshua, everybody that was a Pharisee or even of the Sadducees that heard the words that Yeshua was teaching from the Torah, they wanted to follow him because they knew he had the wisdom. And I believe if you're seeking that wisdom, you too can become dusty from the dust of his feet, and you can drink in his words with thirst, and you too can become a disciple of Yeshua. Man, right now, why don't you just acknowledge that, that you're actually hungry to become a disciple of Yeshua. Why don't you accept this journey? And why don't you start even right now to say, I want to become a disciple of this master, this Messiah. I want to follow the rabbi in his footsteps and watch your life 100% grow and change from this day forward. Come on, it's time to get dusty. Can't wait for episode number 12. We're going to go a little deeper into this discipleship process. And we're going to explain to you some things that are going to make it easy for you to become a disciple of Yeshua. We love you. Can't wait to see you soon. Shalom, shalom. Lehitrot. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow us for more episodes as you rate and review the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom. Lehitrot. See you next time.